Presented by Four Roses. Happy Hump Day, everybody. You guys ready for some Uber stories? Because I've got a couple of good stories. I've got a couple of good Uber stories. And that's what today's podcast is all about. This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon. And it's been a couple weeks since I've done just an Uber Stories podcast. Because here's why. I've been trying over the last couple months to give you a good idea and feel for what this podcast is going to be moving forward. And at first, I was doing more Uber stories. And then over the last three weeks, I've transitioned mostly into just interviews. Well, moving forward, as I mentioned on last week's episode, I'm kind of in a ramp up period. And I am going to be doing two podcast episodes a week. One of them is going to be Uber stories and some sports sprinkled here and there. And then the other episode during the week will be interviews with people like Sarah Merrill, like with Patrick Hughes, with Gustavo Rossetti. This week, um, later on in the week, I'm going to be joined by Matt Plummer. And Matt's the CEO of a company called Zarvana. He's a productivity coach, and he helps people and company and organizations improve their performance and increase productivity. So I'm really excited to speak with him. Again, that'll be dropping later in the week. So be on the lookout for that. Please, if you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, wherever you choose to listen. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate that. But also, please, if you enjoy the show or if you've enjoyed some of the guests that we've had on in the last month or if you love the Uber stories like we're going to tell today, Please, please, please leave me a review, leave me a little rating, and make sure that you keep on coming back and drinking your Four Roses bourbon. All right? Good deal. So today, what do we got for you? Well, we got a stabbing. There are a couple of good one-liners. There is a South End setup. The shystiness of some of these people on the South End, it's crazy, all right? It's good shit. Uh, A ride that makes me very uncomfortable now that I'm thinking about it. Kind of creeps me out, to be honest, and I'll tell you why that is. A few stories and conversations that are much more upbeat and motivational than some of these that we're going to tell today. The best review that I have ever received and also the craziest shit that I saw all week long. But here's where we'll start. And speaking of starts, school has just begun for high schools over in Indiana. Indiana high schools start a little bit earlier than Kentucky high schools do. And I had the opportunity to speak with a couple of Indiana high school students. They were girls and they got in the car. And as we started chit-chatting, they mentioned they were in high school. And I said, okay, so what are you guys doing? Because Indiana goes back before Kentucky, right? And she was like, yeah, so... They gave everybody the option to go in-person classes or online classes. And she said that she chose the online classes. And I said, that's pretty smart, all right? And she was like, yeah, there's already a case in Jeff right now. Jefferson High School, it's a high school over in southern Indiana for our out-of-state, out-of-town listeners, okay? And she was like, I'm the only one in my friend group that chose the online classes. Everybody else is in school. 
And I said, well, okay, well, your friends who are in school, what do they tell you that it's like? Like, are people wearing masks? What are they doing? Tell me about it. And she said, well, you know, some people are wearing masks, but not everyone. And because so many kids are taking classes online, it kind of opens up the classrooms to allow them to be distanced. So she said when students get to their desk and they're distanced, they have the option to take the mask off, which seems kind of stupid because if it's an airborne droplet illness disease and it can spread through the air, then that that kind of defeats the whole purpose of having a mask on in the first place. So that's kind of dumb. But you know what? This was about a week ago, about a week ago, that uh, I was speaking to this girl. And you know what happened this week? Jeff canceled in-person classes all of this week because too many students were staying home because they had a confirmed COVID case. So uh, that is a little alarming. And she said that if anybody gets it, like you have the option to change if you were going to class in person and then this happens and then you want to say, hey, I want to go actually and take the online classes, then they're going to allow you to do that, but they're not going to stop operations just because of one student. You know, and, and I'm thinking like, well, what if there's a cluster? I mean, what do you do then? Because then you've got, you know, what if 20 or 30 kids get it and then you've got a real problem on your hands? I don't know. I don't have to come up with those answers. I'm thankful that I don't because it's just either way, you know, what do you do? Do you just, you go online all the way? I mean, if I had kids, God forbid, God forbid I have kids. But if I had kids, I would keep them home. Now, and it gets tough. It gets really tough to do because not all families are, you know, dual income household. Maybe they can't afford to have people come and stay with the kids. Um, they can't afford to stay home themselves. They're working. Maybe it's a single parent household. Like there's a lot that goes into this. So while it sounds really great to just say, hey, every kid should stay home, no high school classes in person. Well, the the, the reality is there's a lot of families that just can't swing that. So, so then what are you doing? You know, it's just, it's really tough. But yeah, Jeff, already canceled in-person classes this week because too many students were staying home. There was no point in it. Uh, you know, people are really still having a hard time coming to terms with this, um, the coronavirus, right? Like I spoke with one person who sounded very skeptical, like she believed there was something else going on. And I told her, you know, I think like I was trying to be not like, hey, you're an idiot. This isn't a conspiracy. Right. I, but I, 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 I took it in a different route. And I just said to keep in order for the sake of keeping dialogue moving forward and progressing. I was like, you know, I, I think when something like this happens, it's so unfathomable that the brain just can't process it. Like when 9-11 happened, and this is the example that I use with her. When 9-11 happened, it, the, the thought of another, you know, uh, government, country, terrorist organization infiltrating the security of America and hijacking planes and crashing them into towers seemed so far-fetched. It, 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 it seemed so not previously done before that when it happened, people were left kind of reeling and searching for, like, how could this happen, right? It, it can't be as simple as 
these people trained in order to learn how to take over a plane and fly a plane and and everything that goes into that and everything that went into those attacks and coordinating that it's easier to sometimes believe because we don't want to believe that that just you know a select few of people could have such a great impact on so many other people so our brains sometimes start to pick apart and 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 create and buy into and be willing to be buy like buy into these kind of fantasies and these conspiracy theorists you know um there's a lot of people that believe that coronavirus isn't real, which I still don't understand how they can seriously come to that conclusion. But they but they think it's like some kind of a, a t- like I had one guy, I remember a couple of podcast episodes ago, a couple of Uber stories episodes ago where somebody was like, yeah, I think coronavirus is just a test. The government's doing it to see what they can get away with. It's like, is that really what you believe? You know, and, and we've got like five minutes left in the car, so I'm not going to say something, you know, and, and, and make it super awkward. Because uh, I'm not in there. I, I'm not there to get into fights with people. I'm just saying, you know, I, I I just took that one a different direction. Like I think I think when this happens, it's it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, that somewhere in a lab in China, this thing gets out, and now here we are, several several months later, and and you know what's what's really changed. I mean, really, uh, I don't know. And you know what? I, as I say that, I I literally saw something online about uh, some kind of a music festival being held in Wuhan, China, like the place that this originated and, and spread throughout the world. Uh, it started in Wuhan, and there was apparently, I don't know, I guess they've been clear for a while. I mean, they had the, the, their outbreak, you know, they were way ahead of uh, America, but I guess they just had a music festival where there was a bunch of people out, and so they seemed to be okay with it. I just... Also saw today that the S&P 500 just hit a new peak and the people that were cited in this article were saying that we have uh, exited the bear market and now we are entering a bull market and it only took like, I don't know, five and a half months basically to turn around and through the stimulus that uh, that were injected into the economy, like those things worked. And so it seems like we're kind of on an uptick right now. We've got the NBA playoffs going on. We got MLB. Are we going to get college football? Are we going to get high school football in Kentucky? Are we even going to get in-person classes for JCPS? That's like that's a huge question. I saw where they're going to be doing six weeks online courses, and then they're going to reevaluate. So non-traditional instruction, NTI, that's what they call it. They're going to start August 25th. That's next week. And they're going to go online only for six weeks. And then I guess JCPS has a board meeting where they're going to be discussing fall sports. And it sounds like on Thursday, they're going to be making a decision uh, either to move forward with their current plan for fall sports, cross-country, field hockey, football, soccer, volleyball, um, or, or potentially, like, cancel it. And there is, they said, um, I was reading a Courier-Journal article and this guy, Marty Polio, who is the superintendent for JCPS, and he was asked, is there a possibility where JCPS might postpone or cancel fall sports and the rest of the state plays? And he said, yeah, there's a possibility of that, which, I, I mean, man, I, I don't know. I, I just, it, it just seems like if one, if one school district... It, if it's not safe enough for one school district to be open like JCPS, then what makes these other counties think that it's safe for them? I, I, I don't understand that one. So it, it seems like it would make sense if it was like kind of like an all or nothing deal. But hey, what the hell do I know? Uh, but like college football, they made a couple of key decisions. Pac-12, 
Big Ten, they're like, we're out. It People are very upset about the way that the Big Ten thing went down just because they released their schedule and then two days later they pretty much canceled the season. Not, not pretty much, they did cancel the season. And the thing about that is there were doctors who were scared of a heart condition that there, there's just not enough data on and it's scary. Um, especially for an athlete, if your heart or your lungs, the capacity that, that, that they can hold is going to be reduced by this virus and we still don't know the lasting effects on the heart or the lungs, then that's scary. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they're out. No football for them. They're talking about spring stuff. I, I just, I, I find the spring thing really hard to believe. I don't think that if you've got players opting out for the draft, you've got players opting out for just coronavirus reasons, and you have, um, you know, a, a, a bunch of players that are like, I don't want to try to fit basically two college football seasons into one year. Like, my body needs time to rest. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see the, the spring as a, a real legitimate thing. And until football actually kicks off in the SEC, the ACC, or the Big 12, they're all still going to try to play a fall season. Until the, the ball is actually in the air, that's when I'll believe it's going to happen. Because as students are getting back onto campus, uh, things are going to get, there, there's going to be outbreaks, there's going to be clusters. And so what do you do? Do you say, okay, we're going to try and get these games in like the MLB when the Reds or the Cardinals or whoever it's been, there's been a several teams that have had to uh, quarantine and postpone games uh, because of coronavirus outbreaks on the team. Well, what do you do if that starts happening in college football? Do you do you just say, okay, well, this team is just going to have to postpone this game, or they'll have to make it up, or and then you know that that could potentially elongate the season a little bit. Uh, do you just cancel them and just say, all right, we're just going to try to get as many games in as possible? Um, there are some SEC, uh, you know, stadiums that are going to have fans. Um, I Vince Tyree wants to ha- be able to have some fans and 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 you know follow distancing guidelines, but have fans. And yeah, all these colleges are hurting for money. That's what it's all boils down to is just money. But I will believe that we're going to get a college football season when the ball's in the air, and, and which kills me because college football is my favorite sport to watch. It's my favorite sport to talk about. It's my favorite sport to listen to. I've always been a college football junkie. I'm talking about sitting on the couch on a college football season, four or five screens, 10 a.m., 12 p.m. kickoff, noon kickoff until 1.30 a.m. when the Pac-12 games have gone off. That is a typical day for me in the college football season because I love it. It's my favorite sport. And if we don't get a college football season, I'm going to be devastated. I'm going to be bummed out. Like I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying these things and giving these takes. I'm not rooting on college football not to be played, right? And I'm not even saying that you have to, the kids are in such grave danger about playing and, and being, I just think if you have a, a lot of kids on campus, there's going to be outbreaks and then, do you want to ultimately like get sued? I mean, I guess that's probably what it comes down to. The Big Ten parents are, are really having a hard time letting this go. They're Justin Fields and a bunch of the parents are doing these petitions and they want to play. And I and I understand why. You know, to invest like if you're a parent of one of these kids that isn't going to play this season, you know, think about it as an investment. Let's be real. Like a lot of 
parents that look at their D1 college football players are hoping that they'll be their meal ticket, that all of the time and the energy, getting them to and from practice, buying them new equipment, paying for private lessons, spending all that money on the nutrition and everything like that, like that's all an investment, okay? And they're trying to see that pay off. And maybe they're hoping that their kid is going to make it to the league and get get a payday and maybe see some of that come back around, right? And now they can't play. And and these are guys that maybe could have been a season away from becoming a first-round pick. Like maybe somebody that needed to bounce back and prove themselves. And, and are they going to get that opportunity before potentially going to the draft? It's, you know, it's tough. So Big Ten parents are pissed off. They're like, we want our kids to play. You know, and I'm sure it's 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 for all the good reasons, right? Oh, my kid just loves sports. I want to watch my kid play. Yeah, and that's probably your meal ticket. Like you're probably hoping that they'll buy you a house when they get, you know, signed uh first second round, right? And so they're they're like, you know, we 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 want them to play. I and and the parents, you know, the Big 10 parents are just caught up in trying to figure out like what changed in just those couple of days. Like why even, what a sick joke. Why even put the schedule out if you're just going to end up canceling the season? I, 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 I would be pissed too. I, I mean, I, I would be pissed off. And I'm seeing a lot of people having this conversation about college football needs a commissioner. Not, not just Mark Emmert in leading the NCAA, but actually a commissioner of college football. And I think it's a great idea. I, you know, I, I don't know why it doesn't have a commissioner or just a president of college football. Like, clear leadership. So I'm like, I hear that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. You know, but, but I also think this. If D1 college football has a commissioner, fine. It should. It probably should. But you can't just appoint someone to power on one side and then have them go unchecked. So... I think if you're going to appoint a commissioner to lead college football, then there should be a players union to rep the players and represent their best interests. Like, I I think there should be a union comprised of mostly former players, but some current players. And I know it's hard. You don't want to load these kids up with too much. They're dealing with already on top of their coursework and their college football or their their college athletics. So you don't want to have to really make them feel like, uh, here's one more thing. But, you know, grab a couple of Power 5 reps. So this year, in my proposal, it would be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Chubba Hubbard, uh, either Thibodeau or Panay Sewell from Oregon to rep the Pac-12. And uh, let's just say Terry Wilson for the SEC, because why the hell not, right? But I have now one player from each of the Power Five conferences, one player that is clearly the best, probably, you know, probably let's just pick the best, most impactful, and those are the current players. And then you have guys like Tebow, like Johnny Manziel, like... Um, any other of these big college football stars. And I think uh, you do like a, a group of younger ones. And I also think that you do a group of older ones like Charles Woodson and and guys like that that can kind of talk through the lens and, and just kind of like add seniority and talk, because they have a perspective on, you know, what the NCAA was like when they were in college and then when these younger guys were in college and they can kind of 
provide some leadership in the room. I, I, I really think that that would be a good mix, and you have those players representing and speaking on behalf of college football players everywhere. I, I think that's the way to go. Because if you just point, if if you just appoint a commissioner to college football, well, fine. But but who kind of checks him? You know, who is he talking with and 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 negotiating with? You need representation. So, make a players' union. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with college football. You know, my hope is that we get it and it happens. I mean, really, seriously, uh, because there's few things I love more in this world than college football. But just in case we don't, I will have plenty of Uber stories for you, okay? And with that, it's story time. So, let's begin here. I met a guy that we will call Tim, okay? And Tim claimed to be Woody Harrelson's cousin. And he also claimed to have been pronounced dead three times in his life. He didn't really go into a lot of detail with that, but he said that he had been pronounced dead three times in his life. And I'm not going to lie, he was kind of brain dead. He was kind of out there, uh, talked real slow. And I, I don't know, he said Woody Harrelson was from Kentucky. And I, I, I'm i like, you know, I don't fucking know. Like, whatever the fuck, sure. But in researching for this, I learned that Woody Harrelson is indeed not from Kentucky, okay, born in Midland, Texas, all right, and I can't find anything to suggest that he has family here, so when this guy's telling me this stuff, I'm like nodding my head like, oh, that's cool, Woody Harrelson's cousin, yeah, didn't know he's from Kentucky or have ties here, you know, uh, but now that I'm thinking back on this, uh, I, I, I haven't found anything to suggest that, like, that would be true, and, you know, if, for those of you who watched the Joker movie, at that point where you realize that all of, like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's conversations with people have all been imagined, and then you're like, oh, ooh. You know, it kind of takes a dark turn, right? Well, I, as I started to write this thing out and, and think about it, it's kind of alarming when uh, I started to think about it, and, and I'm just like, ooh, like... I don't, was that all imagined that, that this guy was related to Woody Harrelson? I, and I, I, I have no idea, you know, just kind of crazy, crazy, right? But you know what? I safely got him to where he needed to go. And then I, I release people back into the world. I just open up the door like, you're free now, run free. You know, that's, that's all I can do after, after they get out of the car is just wish them luck. So I wish Tim luck. All right, this next one, I picked up a homie, we'll call him Tyler, and I can't remember how it came up, but he was saying that this girl had been shot, and I said, damn, damn, how did they set her up? And he said these girls, they were fighting, and this girl called her brother, basically, after she got her ass beat, which is kind of weird, you know, and, and we were laughing about this, like, why would you call your big brother on a female? Like, that's pretty fucked up. And he's like, man, yeah, that's the fifth girl this week that got shot. That got shot. Fifth girl. Fifth girl this week. And it just made me think, you know, whatever happened to throwing hands? Why has everybody got to reach for a gun? You know, live to fight another day instead of reaching for that gun. It's just box. Put them up. And if you lose, you lose. But you live to fight another day, you know? I don't... I, senseless gun violence like that I just I, I just don't understand it 
Here's another South End setup, okay? Let's call her Tammy, okay? Tammy and I were chit-chatting, and she asked how long I've been driving, and she asked if I ever got scared. I was like, nah, not really, you know, but I'm lucky because I'm a guy. If I were a girl, I might be a little bit more hesitant to do this because I, you know, I've heard stories of drivers from drivers and passengers of dudes getting rapey in the Uber, you know, which is just really weird and really fucked up. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I had a friend who was doing Uber Eats and she went to drop off this dude's food at his doorstep and he tried to pull her inside when she dropped the food off at the front door. And I was like, God damn, that's, that's you know, damn. And she was like, luckily she had really good footing and it allowed her to fend him off and get away because otherwise she said her friend was like, I don't know what I would have done. Like I would have gotten yanked into this dude's house and who knows, like I'd be living in a fucking dumpster right now. And so she was like, yeah, my friend really hasn't driven a whole lot since then. I was like, yeah, I don't blame her. Fuck that. Well, then Tammy says that the same friend had a break-in in her house, which is kind of weird, like a few months before that, where they tied her up and she was like already nervous from that. And then she's delivering Uber Eats and some guy tries to yank her into his house. Like, and I'm just like, oh my God, like this poor woman, like what a traumatic year your friends had. And um, I said, they tied her up and she said, yeah, with a belt. And I said, why did they hit her house? And she said, she thinks it was a setup that her estranged husband's friend set her up because he wanted to come back to her, her husband did, and they were talking about getting back together, and his friend, they were going into business together at a bed and breakfast, didn't want her to be involved in the business. And he knew that if she and him got back together, uh, his friend and this woman, that that would complicate things. She didn't like him, and he didn't want her around. And Tammy said her friend thinks that he's the one that set her up, because she was like, it had to be someone that she knew because they knew her schedule. They knew what time she worked, what time she lets her dogs out, and that's the only time that she unlocks her door when she's home is to let the dogs out. And sure enough, that's when these scumbags came and got her, right? Through the back, she said nobody would have known where her back door was in her backyard because everything's all grown up and you can't really see it that well. So first of all, that's just weird. And then she said that uh, they knew her friend's house, like where everything was at in her house, knew what drawer to go to to get a belt out of. She said that's weird. And plus, she had just recently moved into that house, so not many people knew where she even was living at the time, except for this dude, and he was the only dude, and the rest were all her, her like girlfriends that had gone over to see the house. So I was like, yeah, it definitely sounds like that dude's involved. And Tammy said, well, we went and confronted him, and of course he denies it, but he acted really sketchy when we confronted him. And she said, I was ready to run him over. And I said, with your truck? And she said, yeah, I had him pinned up against the garage with my truck. And I said, you did? And she said, yeah, I, I, I would have run him over, but he was already pinned, and he's got a big old stomach, so he wasn't going anywhere. Um, but I was ready to run him over because my friend was very traumatized. <laughs> and I was like, how long did you have him pinned? And she said, 25 minutes. Had him where he couldn't move. I'm sure he was bruised. And I said, did he try to avoid getting hit? Like, did he move at all and try to miss the truck? She was like, oh, I didn't let him. Like, he didn't have enough time. I hit him pretty hard. 
Hey, you know what? Serves you right, you fucking scumbag. Okay, this next one is a reminder not to play with glass. All right, let's call this guy Al. Al and I were talking about the stories because we were like, hey, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, the stories that I end up hearing in this Uber, it's pretty great. And he was like, man, I bet they're crazy. And I was like, yeah, a lot of times they are. And he said, I could do something crazy for you if you want. And I'm like, yeah, all right, go ahead. Give me some content. Just don't hurt me, all right? And he's laughing, and and I'm like, and and don't make me hurt you, okay? And he's, and he's like, yeah, that's probably more like it. So I'm like, all right, well, what do you got for me? You got a crazy story? And he says, well, how about the one time my roommate got stabbed in my house? I said, yeah, let's hear it, all right? And he was like, yeah, by his crazy ex-girlfriend. And I was like, yeah, were they fighting? And he was like, man... I don't know, she had major issues, but basically we had been drinking all day, came back home, they're fighting, it's like 4 a.m., me and my other roommate decided to go to Kroger to get a frozen pizza, as one naturally does at 4 in the morning, right? And so he said, when we come back, right before we get to our driveway, we see her running down the street with a hamper bag of clothes, like over her shoulder. And they're like, huh, that's kind of weird. So they go into the house, and Al said this thing looked like a straight-up murder scene. She, I guess what, what he was saying was she had a piece of glass from a picture frame, and she was acting like she was going to cut herself. And I'm like, oh, man, that, man, you know, like I, I, don't, I don't like hearing that, right? And he was like, yeah, so my friend was trying to get the glass from her, and she stabbed him in the forearm, and blood was all over the walls, all over the couch, we ended up having to replace a bunch of stuff. And I was like, did he need stitches? And he was like, oh, God, yeah. And I said, how many? He said, I don't know, but but it was like the majority of the entire length of his forearm. And I was like, he's lucky that he didn't bleed out. And he was like, yeah, they, they, yeah he is really lucky, you know. And, and like the crazy thing is they fought a lot, but this was finally the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, he said, police came, obviously, and I said, did he press charges? And he said, no, he didn't. And I was kind of joking. I was like, well, maybe he's just kind of, like, leaving that door open, right? Like, if you litigate against your ex, probably not going to be able to rekindle that old flame moving forward. But if you don't press charges, then maybe you're crazy stalker ex, and you can maybe, you know, I don't know. Poke the embers. See what's popping six months from now. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I don't think that he's going to be calling her back anytime soon. Good. Good for him. Hopefully he's learned his lesson. Because, my God, to come that close to, to bleeding out. <laughs> I mean, you got to really... Yikes. Okay. Uh, this next one is, is much more uplifting, okay? So those ones are kind of savage. And uh, this one's much more uplifting. These next couple ones. So we'll call this woman Mary, okay? And Mary, I picked Mary up from White Castle where she worked. And we were talking and I was like, how have you been doing with coronavirus? You know, how's, how you living? How you living, right? You want to get to know somebody, ask, how you living? And so she was saying that she was very jealous about people collecting the unemployment checks because there, there's a lot of money to be racked up from just sitting around and doing nothing, which the coronavirus has, has proven, that people are more better off not working the jog that they had at, at Popeye's or wherever 
uh, but but rather just getting the unemployment check, like those pay more. So there's a lot of people that are just content sitting at home. And she was kind of not not griping or bitching about that, but um, you know, she was just like, you know, it's it's kind of bullshit. Like it's kind of bullshit that I'm sitting here grinding at White Castle, and yet you know I'm talking to. Uh, people that I know that are like, man, you're a fool for working. I'm getting this government money. And I said, you know, listen, Mary, I hear you, but I think, you know, if you ask me, your takeaway should be like, damn, look at me go. You know, because how easy it would be to just give up and quit. You know, if you wanted to do that, you'd be like the rest of them, right? So I, I give a lot of credit to you for grinding shift after shift. And I think you should take motivation from that. And she was like, you know, yeah, it's 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 tough to want to agree with you, but but I do see what you're saying. Like just because I'm so over this job and and I just wish I could quit and but I got people that depend on me and and, and I don't want to just be a bum. And I'm like, well, you know what? Good for you. That's a win in itself. I know it might not feel like it, but eventually those checks that people are cashing for doing nothing, they're going to run out. Like they're they're going to go away and then I, I, you're going to be left at least with that sense of accomplishment. Like, I made it through this, and I didn't just quit and give up and ask for handouts. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with getting unemployment when you actually need it, but if you're just taking unemployment just because you can and it pays more than the job that you lost and you have no intention of returning to the workforce or anything like that, you know, that that's, that's the easy way out. Like, you're a bum, okay? So... Take some confidence in that, I and I and I hope she did. Here's another one. Okay, we'll call this woman Lucy. Now, Lucy was an old, old woman. Okay, she got into the car so slow, but we started talking about life, and we started talking about slowing down because she was like 75 years old, and she said at her age, you know, she's seeing a lot of her friends die off, and. She was just talking about just kind of a frustration being at that point in her life where, yeah, you're able to kick back and not have to worry about much, but also your body isn't allowing you to do the things that it normally has been able to do. And she was talking about just kind of what that transition has been like for her slowing down and at her age not being able to do certain things that 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 she previously could. And I was like, Hey, sister, that's everybody, all right? That's everybody, you know? Like, you might be a distance runner, and then you suffer an injury, and they tell you, well, you're probably not going to be able to run these long distances anymore. Or if you are uh, an older guy trying to stay in shape and play some basketball, and you're running, and then you do an Achilles, like, you're probably going to have to start, not all the time, but if you're old enough, like in your 50s, you do an Achilles play and pick up basketball, and you're really into it, you know, your doctor might end up telling you, hey, you got to take it easy, man. You're not a young guy anymore. And so I think there's a lot of times, it's not just getting old, but but there's a lot of times where we look back and say, well, I was doing this much then, or I was doing it like then. Why can't I do it now? Right? And we always kind of want to compare to to, you know, going back in our lives. But, you know, that that's everybody. That's everybody. That's just a part of getting older is just sometimes you're not going to be able to do certain things that you were once able to do.
But that doesn't mean that you have to like kind of like wallow in self pity about it. And and she wasn't. And 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 you know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like it's okay. You can find ways to modify it where you can still do something close, hopefully, to that activity and also feel like it's, you know, you can have kind of that thing. Does that make sense? I know I'm kind of p- probably doing a really poor job of, of breaking that one down. But anyways, the, the moral of the story is that when she got out of the car, I said, stay up, sister, stay up. All right. And she said, thank you. That is so encouraging. Thank you. I will. I was like, cool, Lucy, you're all right by me, girl, all right? And then same one with this one, okay? I love these ones. We'll call this guy Barry. And Barry said that he worked in a restaurant and had for a really long time. And I said, do you like it? And he was like, eh, not really. You know, it's just the world right now, kind of crazy. Obviously, it's been tough with COVID, and the new management took over right before COVID hit. I'm the only one that's left that was there before. So it's just like a lot of change. And and I kind of feel like I'm in limbo right now. And this is like, tee me up. Let me go off, King. Okay? Because when somebody leaves it like that, I'm like, aye, baby, here we go. So I asked, what would you do if you left? Like, what what would you want to do? And he was like, ah, of course you had to ask me that. And I said, because this is real talk and this is what we do, baby. And Iggy started laughing and, you know, I'm kind of just getting a kick out of it. And I'm like, um, and he's like, you know, I've asked myself that quite a bit. And and and, and to be honest, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I just know that I can't keep doing what I'm doing now. And I said, listen, I mean, hey, th- this is the year to take risks, okay? Uh, kind of a perfect opportunity to make a change, like, like the universe has really given you an opportunity here. You know that? And he was like, yeah. And I said, you know, I, I think the older that we get, the harder that it actually becomes to actually do the thing. Like whatever it is we've been putting off, you know, we use these excuses. Oh, once the kids are grown or once my dad gets better, once this or that happens. You know, what happens is you keep putting those things off. And life is so random. You know, you walk out the door and you get hit by a bus tomorrow and then all of those things that you kept promising that you were going to do for yourself, they end up dying with you. Okay, it's like, have any of you seen the music video for the song I Could Be The One, Avicii versus Nicki Romero? And that girl, she's just kind of going through the routine week after week, alarm clocks, desk jobs, and then eventually she's walking through sandcastles flicking kids off, and she throws all her files off her desk, smash the copier, she's grabbing her crotch like Baker Mayfield, and this dude fucking pukes in the office, right? <laughs> and everyone around her is like, what the fuck? Okay, but but this th- this woman, this woman, finally is living her best life, right? Or she's imagining what it would be like. And at the very end of that video, she quits her job, she's walking out to her car, she's on the phone, she's like, Barbados, one way. She's running to her car, and then, blah! She gets hit by a truck. End scene. That's life. That's that's life in a nutshell, man. You make all these plans, and then, you, you know, you, you can never see them come all the way to fruition. Right, so you got to make the time to do things that you've been saying that you want to do, and in this case, 
Sometimes it's not about quitting your job and then being like, all right, sweet, what's next? Like, that's what I did. I, I wouldn't recommend it, okay? The safe option is to have something lined up when you quit your job. Like, I'm talking about quitting my sales job in California to move back to Kentucky. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was just gonna bang on every door of any radio station that was gonna take me on. And eventually I got linked up with one, hustled, did a couple sponsors, and and now here we are, and I, I'm doing my own thing. But like, I I didn't have any of that lined up. I just was like, well, I'm not gonna let it. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna fail. Like I have no other option, right? And 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 sometimes, sure, do that. I wouldn't recommend it. It's very very challenging. Uh, a lot of anxious nights, right? But but um, you know, the other way is like kind of developing. And, and using some of your spare time in order to set yourself up. So like most normal people think about change as being this gradual process. Like you start doing something in your spare time, your hobby becomes your side hustle, you grow it in your free time, and then if you are really serious about leaving your job to go pursue whatever it is that you're, like, kind of you're passionate about, right, then hopefully... You've been growing it in your free time to get it to a point where you can leave your job in your current situation and transition into the things that you want to do full time and and like to sustain your lifestyle, right? And it's okay if that's not ready to happen tomorrow. Like if you don't have viable options that you can pivot to in order to sustain your lifestyle, that's fine. But what are you going to start doing in your spare time that you can do in order to build that up and then take that leap and eventually leave your nine to five and go do whatever it is you wanna do, right? What are you doing? What steps are you taking? Because it's one thing to just say, yeah, I wanna, I wanna start a blog, but if you actually don't do it at all, or I wanna start a podcast, but, but you're not putting in any of the work, well, you know, I, I, I can sit around all day and say things that I wish and want to happen, but that doesn't mean they're gonna happen. Right, so you have to start developing those side hustles and those hobbies in order to turn that into kind of your thing. And he didn't even really know what his thing was. I mean, he kicked around a couple of ideas, but he really hadn't thought about it too seriously. He was just kind of like at burnout. He had reached burnout, right? So I was just kind of trying to give him some perspective. And he's like, you know what? Like, you're right. And I wanted to hit him with the beginning of that I Spy, uh, the song where he's like, man, What's wrong, Kyle? He's like, man, fuck them kids, bro. Look around. Look at life. And he's like, you're right. And the dude's like, you goddamn right I'm right. I can't remember a time I was goddamn wrong. <laughs> and so, you know what? The, the moral of this story is you, you just, you never want to let things pass you by. So I told him, that's the big takeaway from, from this ride. If not now, when? Something to keep in mind, my friends. Okay, before I get to craziest shit I saw all week, I got to give a shout out to the plug, Four Roses Bourbon. You know, they say that winning deserves a worthy reward, and you should celebrate life's wins with Four Roses family of award-winning bourbons. Sit back, relax, take a sip, and savor the victory. Learn more at fourrosesbourbon.com. Be mellow. Be responsible, my friends. Okay, so craziest shit I saw this week. Well, uh, I was coming up 65, and I was passing Okalona to get back to downtown. And I'm in the far lane, like the fast lane, as always, right? And in the lane to my right, 
Up ahead, there's a Ford Explorer, maybe 15 yards or so ahead. And so she's close, okay? And maybe another 15 yards ahead of her, I see this orange Home Depot bucket spinning around in the middle of her lane like it had just fallen off of a truck. And this all happens in a split second because it wasn't visible until just now. And now she has two options. She can either swerve to avoid this bucket and pray that it all works out, okay? Or she can continue straight and mow this bucket down. So what did she do? Did she swerve blindly and and risk a big pile-up traffic? Or did she continue straight on and nail this thing? Dude, she drilled this thing going at least 70 miles an hour, okay? But here's the thing. This bucket didn't just bounce off of her bumper and go flying into another lane. Because she's in an Explorer and raised off the ground a little bit, this thing goes under her bumper and gets stuck. And because I'm still trailing her, I can see where this bucket is literally lodged against the axle of her front wheels. And it's stuck. And so now she's driving down 65 on the highway, dragging this bucket underneath her car. And it's so loud. Even with the windows up and the music on in my car, I could hear this thing scraping against the pavement. It sounded so bad. And I didn't want to see how it ended. So I just sped past her after marveling at this thing for a moment. You know, because because I, I just, whatever was going to happen... Get me away from it, okay? And I hope that it works out, okay? And I hope that she was able to get off and, and get the bucket loose and it didn't do any damage to her car. Um, but that was just crazy because the bucket's just spinning. She hits it and then it's just like stuck. And I'm looking at this thing being still getting dragged down 65, 70 miles an hour. Okay, and while it sucks, like staying straight and running over that bucket, that is the right move in that situation. Because... You don't have enough time to see who's around you because if you're going to swerve, like you have no idea. Somebody could be in your blind spot. Somebody could be right next to you. That is a recipe for disaster. And she did not have enough time to see who was around her in order to maybe get over. Not enough time. If she swerves, she has no idea what's on either side of her. That would have been a disaster. So as much as it sucks, she did the right thing, but... (laughs) I mean, who who just leaves a bucket in the middle of the street anyways? Like, I don't understand what we're doing anymore, you know? I would be pissed, like, that that you could sue somebody for that. I would. If some company like LG&E leaves a bucket and it's spinning out and I get in a car accident because of it, I would. I would definitely. I'd send them the bill. Absolutely. Okay, here's the other one. Now, I was down on Jefferson Street near the 65 overpass, and we're stopped at a red light. And there's one car ahead of me that I'm slowly approaching in my lane. And then there's one car that's in the left lane, like kind of neck and neck with him. So I'm pulling up to these two cars. And in between these two cars is a guy on a motorized wheelchair. And he's yelling at the car that's in front of me, okay? And he's slapping on their car. And they've got the window down. And they go as soon as the light turns green. And this guy ends up just rolling away. But it was bizarre. I, I like... I'm talking about Jefferson Street is a very busy, popular street in downtown Louisville. And here's this guy in a freaking motorized wheelchair banging on this guy's window. I don't know if they knew the person or what was going on. Maybe he was trying to get money. I have no fucking clue. But I'm pointing this out to my rider and I say, look at this fucking guy. And the guy who's in the back like looks up and and he literally goes, that's Terry. Put it in reverse, Terry. (laughs) 
we just started laughing and it was it was just uh i mean you never know what you're going to see when you're driving around downtown uh that one that one is probably one of the craziest things that i've seen up to this point um all right a couple one liners here okay uh we'll we'll call this writer mama okay we'll call her mama hey mama she and her baby get in the car okay she had this baby in a car seat and the baby was like sitting in the middle of the seat while she's getting in. Like she puts the baby down in the middle seat and she's kind of getting situated, throwing her bag down. And I, I turn around, and there's just this big fat baby sitting looking at me in my back seat. And I'm like, hey. And and he, he it, it said hey back. Like I guess it, it knew hey. I was like, hey. And he was like, hey. <laughs> and then she got in and she pushed him over. And I was taking them to the store and back. And I was running Dang Me Later. And I was just kind of like playing the album. And she got in right as karaoke had started. So that's the vibe. We're just riding. And we talked about Drake's new single, Laugh Now, Cry Later. She was like, have you heard that? And I was like, yeah, I like that. Do you like it? She was like, yeah, I'm really digging that. Anyways, I was taking her on a round trip to the gas station and back. And she was like, yeah, I didn't want to carry him all the way there and back. And I was like, hey, I don't blame you. He looks heavy. And she was like, and, and, and he really did look heavy. I mean, he was a chubby ass baby, okay? And this is her one-liner. She goes, she said, man, he a year and three months. This fucker huge. <laughs> and he's just sitting there like, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I was like, do they do they walk like at a year and three months? Is he walking? She was like, no, he, he don't really walk, but he can stand up and he gets up on his tiptoes. And she was like, he is a big ass baby. So he just got used to his own body weight. And, uh, she said he's shaped like a Georgia woman. And I was like a Georgia woman. And she started busting out laughing. And now I'm laughing. And she's like, yeah, fat ass, thick thighs, and I don't know. He don't. He don't get that from me. I'm like, what the fuck? It's gonna take you a minute to walk through because I ain't never had a baby shaped like this. <laughs> oh, it was great. That was great. That was funny. He was. He was a big baby. He looked heavy, and he looked even heavier in this car seat. But she was like, yeah, man, I'm not lugging this baby all the way to the store and back. I don't blame her. Okay, this next one is my one liner. Okay, we'll call this dude Parker. I'm, I pick Parker up and I'm dropping him off at the mall where he was going to shop for his girlfriend. And he said, man, I'm in trouble. Um, my girl and I are having our one-year anniversary. Do you have any any suggestions for gift ideas? I, I, I'm, I'm really kind of hitting a wall here. And no hesitation, I said, you know, you can never go wrong with a good sex toy and some candles. Get her a nice vibrator and some candles. And he goes... Wow, that's actually a great idea. She loves candles. <laughs> and he was sold. He was sold. And the, the, like just the, the way that he said that was like didn't even flinch about the vibrator thing. The way that he said that was was like definitely he was like the way that he said that was like, wow, that's definitely what I'm doing now. He was like, yeah, that's a great idea. She loves candles. Right. <laughs> so I got a kick out of that one. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you maybe you do. Maybe you think that's too savage, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I got away with it, so what are you going to do? Uh, also, 
Special shout out to Big Fella on Garland Avenue and 28th. He's got these t-shirts for sale. I couldn't stop and see what he had, but I was driving past and he had a big t-shirt stand set up. And uh, I don't know. I I wonder if he had anything dope. But uh, I'm out here doing the Lord's work, giving shout outs to my people. He didn't even pay me to say that. I'm just shouting them out just because I'm I'm, I'm nice. I'm nice. I'm nice like that. Okay. So good. Um, You know, really, uh, the stories this week I I think are are pretty entertaining, pretty good. Um, I wasn't able to drive a whole lot last week because. It was. It rained a lot here in Louisville, and when it rains, I just don't even want to take the risk of driving. Not not that I don't trust myself driving in the rain. I mean, listen, I got whip game no matter what. Rain, sleet, hail, snow, it don't matter, baby. But I am very like other people. I don't. I just don't trust other people. I that's that's what it is. And dude, the way that some of these people drive on Preston Highway and on Dixie Highway, I mean, just blatantly running red lights, swerving and nearly clipping bumpers. I'm just like, I don't trust that some idiot isn't going to be driving like shit in the rain, and then I got to suffer because they can't drive. So if it rains, and like I, I don't want people getting in the car. Uh, like I said, I vacuum and get a car wash every day. It's easy to do if the stuff is like dry, like little pieces of grass or hay or rocks or whatever, little dirt that comes off the shoes. But if people get in the car and they start tracking mud in and then it gets stuck to the carpet because it's wet, that's hard to, that, you know, that's just like, I don't want to have to deal with that. So it rained a lot last week and I wasn't able to drive as much. You know, out of maybe 40, 50 rides, eight, nine, ten 10 of them end up being good content, like good stories to tell on the podcast. So it really is just a numbers game. And uh, but hey, I, I'm I've I've gotten really organized where I'm I'm working kind of like a set schedule and um and, and really kind of working to hit these goals, like these weekly driving goals. So I still got plenty of content uh, and still doing plenty of the interviews. And hey, I almost forgot the best review that I've ever received, okay? I think I shared this one on the last podcast that I did, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and brag on myself again, because I didn't write it. My my words, the words of a passenger, okay? Um, I think I know who this was, too, and we were having this really good discussion, and then later on in the day, I go, and I'm, you know, I always check my ratings and stuff like that. I mean, who wouldn't, okay? But I see where somebody has left a review, and it says, Benjamin is the best Uber driver I have had thus far. He is the most knowledgeable Uber I rode with. He has the best damn luxurious car I have ever ridden in. I felt like President Trump. I kept looking for Melania. <laughs> Benjamin knows more about history than my history professor. Priceless. Very pleasant experience. I have already tipped them. Now, hey, hey, hey. Now, listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I do appreciate all of these kind words, right? I got to bring my head back into regular size as it is blowing up right now. <laughs> um, for some reason on the app, I can't change Benjamin to Ben, even though it, I'm, I'm like Uber. My name is Benjamin, yes, technically on my birth certificate, but it's I, I just go by Ben or Benny. And they won't let me change that. So everybody gets in there like, hi, Benjamin. And I'm like, God, do I sound like a douchebag for having like my full name there? But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I always come back to this where I met some Brits over in London at Wireless Festival and I told them my name and I said, Benjamin Charles. And they said, oh, that's well polished, mate. I'm like, hey, yeah, thank you very much. So I, I always remember, but everybody gets in there like, hi, Benjamin. And I'm like, hey, you know, you can call me whatever you want, really. <laughs>
but still really good ratings across the board. 4.97 Uber rating right now. And I still, there's only, there's one one-star review that's weighing that down, or else I think I, I, mean, I think I would probably be at like a 4.99. 4.97 is very high. I mean, people that get in, they tell me, I've never seen it this high. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> give it a while. I've only been doing it for 10 months. But I think I'll, you know, maintain a very high level because most people, you know, we, we, we share a good ride. But there was that one that left me a one-star review, and again, I told that story on the radio show. That was a while ago. That was probably, I don't know, January, maybe January or December of last year. Uh, January this year, December last year. But uh, there was like, it was like raining, and I was kind of not going to lie. I uh, stopped kind of abruptly, but it still came to a smooth stop. But it was kind of abrupt because the light in front of me had just turned. And so I'm, you know, I'm slowing down, whatever. And this guy who's sitting in the back is like sitting up in between the seats and he's like, hey, you know, what, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm like, sit back. And his wife is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, he's he's like this with everybody, you know, the waiters and Uber drivers. And he's just, he's just like that. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. He just really strung out. And she's like making all these excuses for why her husband's a douchebag. And I'm like, you know, you should really start slipping him a Valium or something. Put it in his food and feed it to him like a dog. And the guy is sitting back there and he's like, me and his wife are laughing at him. He's like, you're an asshole. Like you're you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and, and, and it was like, all right, dude. I mean, fuck you too, you know. Um, uh, but so that yeah, that's my only one star review. And uh, without that, I think I'd probably be at a four point nine nine at least, maybe even a five. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, high ratings across the board. We're doing good, and certainly when we get reviews like that, we're doing great, baby. I hope you enjoyed this part five of the Uber stories. This is how we're going to do it from now on, right? I, I, fe I felt like I wanted to give you guys a little taste of what the Uber stories thing was going to be like. And then the last couple weeks have been what the interviews are going to be like. And so now it, it, you know, the next level is doing one of each per week and rolling it out like that. And we're just going to keep growing this thing. And so please continue listening. Please, if you haven't done so already, it would really help me out if you rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Because certainly when I take that to sponsors and I show them that kind of stuff, that, that really makes a difference. So it would really help me out if you do that. I would really appreciate it. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at BennyTomp18. Same as Instagram, BennyTomp18. The show page on Facebook is at Real Talk WBennyT. We post, I post all the stuff there, and I'm really excited about these new Slimzy koozies that were uh, that are in production right now, and to welcome Slimzy on as one of our very proud sponsors. I'm very proud to announce that. So, uh, good things coming. Good things coming. Later on in the week, uh, we will have Matt Plummer on. Again, CEO of Zarvana. He's a productivity coach, and he's just going to talk to us about uh, increasing productivity and becoming a better version of yourself. So I'm really excited about that. I hope you guys are too. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you guys in, in just a couple of days. All right, that's it for me. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.